Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with huge odds boosts for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 175 of the big show, some Enforcer Base Podcasting, coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Midweek, hump day, Wednesday, halfway there, folks. You're almost there. Um, thank you for tuning in. How's everybody doing? Um, got a real cool interview for you guys today. Yes, an interview. There you go. See, I'm starting to bang out the interviews now. You know, it's not just me yapping. Um, hopefully everybody went back and, uh, uh, I encourage you to go back and check out Sunday's episode. My guest was, uh, Jay from out, out in Finland. And, uh, um, and I thought it was a really interesting conversation. I've had Jay on before, but, um, with this one, we, uh, we talked about, um, obviously European tough guys, even ons and, uh, only ones, group co and, and guys like that. Um, just kind of um, 
uh, and Oduya and, and, and different European enforcers, um, kind of with what they what they went through, um, just coming over to North America, not only culturally, but uh, you know, assimilating into their culture and and then and then basically learning the role on the fly. In, in a lot of cases, you know, they're coming from uh, whatever you want to call it, non-fighting country, hockey, uh, you know, really. And uh, so and they're coming to North America and either playing junior game or, and, uh, you know, and just getting thrown into it. And, uh, you know, and Jay's a, a hockey guy, uh, uh, player, of, you know, scout, uh, club GM, you know, uh, hockey operations, all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, I'm not talking to just Johnny fan. I mean, he, uh, um, and, and he's a big, obviously enforcer, you know, fan and studies it and hell, he put on a whole tournament in Finland about it. So, uh, you know, um, very knowledgeable and, uh, no, and I, and I, you know, and I, I've talked, I talk to Jay on here all the time anyway on, on social media, but, or privately, but, um, no, it was, it was fun to have him on and, and to chat and just, uh, some general BSing. So, uh, I highly recommend checking that uh, interview out. But uh, today, of course, we have uh, Steve Parsons is returning to the show. And um, yeah, Steve was a great guest the first time around. Um, His full-length interview, actually, it was a two-parter, episode 69 and 70. A lot of fun. Uh, Told some great stories. Of course, Steve has been in some uh, legendary altercations that if you go on YouTube, the St. Patrick's Day Massacre, to name name one. But... um, yeah, uh, big dude, tough, played in the United Hockey League, American Hockey League, um, played some NHL preseason games. Um, yeah, and fight card, great fight card, and uh, and that's what we talk about today. Um, again, with the returning guests, the five toughest opponents series. Um, you know, I like, I always enjoy having the, get, the guys, you know, come back just to, you know, talk with them further. And uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I really enjoy doing this, this little series here, so... I think this will be about, I don't know, what about the 7th, 8th one, I think, that I've had guys come back. So, no, it's it's been cool. And, and again, and once again, Steve was a great guest. Um, I know I know he really thought, he gave it a lot of thought over the couple of days. We didn't just, okay, well, I don't know, uh, this guy, you know. No, he actually like put some thought, a lot of thought into it. And, uh, yeah, and we not only talk about that, but we just talk about the mental side of the role as well. And, uh, you know, um, dealing with coaches and, you know, red light, green light, and that kind of thing. And, uh <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me, and uh, mentally just getting prepared for the role, and, uh, um, and and just dealing with all that sort of thing, and uh, we we talk about that as well. So uh, no, I think you guys will really dig this, and uh, I want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, please, uh, as I said, please go back and check out the back, like I said, 175 episodes, right? Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. Um, yeah, please go back and check the back catalog out. I've had tremendous guests on. John Rasty, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, um, you know, on and on. And um, Brad Wingfeld, you know, etc. And uh, yeah, so I encourage everybody to definitely check out the back catalog. If you happen to be on social media, uh, why are you doing that to yourself? But <laughs> if you're on it, uh, give me a follow, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook. And uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's got over 2,600 fights on it. Uh, again, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Uh, yeah, please subscribe to the ch- the YouTube channel and uh, and uh, just go to the search engine there on the on the channel. Just type in any league you're looking for. I got everything sorted. So AHL, NHL, UHL, blah blah blah. It's all on there. Or just type in Steve Parsons if you want. 
And uh, I have about six or seven Steve, uh, Steve's fights on there, and I will uh, hopefully be adding more shortly. Um, so definitely go check that out if you could. But as I said at the top of the at the top in the intro, I am uh, I guess this is the intro. But at the very top of the show, uh, I said I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a podcast for you. So definitely give them a listen. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, I got uh, part-time only down there in uh, down in uh, Lando Lakes, Florida. Um, you know, it, you know that mud show. But I mean, part-time only. Um, but he just, uh, what episode did he release? It was, uh, it was a solo episode and, uh, he was talking about, um, basically, um, and I completely agree with him on the, on the topic. Um, not just guys fighting, but kind of this, this whole fan perspective of win loss and all that stuff. And, uh, which sort of gets overshadowed the, the actual point of the fight and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a short, you know, half an hour episode or whatever. But yeah, completely was on the same page as as much as it pains me to say that I'm on completely the same page. And uh, but no, Alec does a great job. Check out his back catalog: Segroy, Yablonski, Rob Ray, Bialois. Um, yeah, does a great job. Of course, he is uh, just signed on with the network on six pack coverage. And uh, so yeah, there'll be a lot more. Um, Stuff coming out uh, with a little more frequency now that he's home and and everything's kind of calmed down. Although I know he's busy at work now, but um, his extracurricular stuff is sort of all wrapped up now. So uh, hopefully we'll be seeing a few more uh, regular episodes out of him. But um, he also runs the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook, which has over 15,000 members. And if you happen to be on Facebook, uh, yeah, sign up for the group. Uh, people are always sharing videos and pictures and stuff on there. It's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's as close as you're going to get. Remember the old fight message boards? That's about as close as you're going to get these days to those. So definitely give it a, give it a, check it out. But, uh, and then, give it a Lazito. Broadway, Jolt and Joe Lazito down there working out at MSG, the hardest working man in New York, New York, the heart of New York City. Broadway Joe, uh, he runs the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. is a New York Islander enforcer podcast. I know he works at MSG and it's an Islander podcast. Conflict of interest, but you know, whatever. We won't we'll keep it. We won't say anything. Um, although Joe sent, sends me a picture from the break room that they got the Islander game on. The Islander game on in the break room of MSG. I'm telling you, that's a bold move. You know. Not only does he do that, but I can guarantee Joe's the guy that puts fish in the microwave too. So he's sitting there drinking, drinking his yoo-hoo and warming up his fish in the microwave in an Islanders uh, show on MSG. That's that's bold move right there, Jolton Joe. Yeah, but there you go. That's why he's in charge, large and in charge, Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. But no, definitely check out Joe's show. Um, Fakoda, Ewan. Strudwig, Asham, Bolton, tremendous, again, tremendous back catalog, and uh, yeah, just, I mean, with everything, with Christmas and everything going on, I mean, you can imagine when you're in the ticket office of MSG, how busy MSG would be this time, well, probably just, when is New York not busy, so uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I know he's having a tough time finding um, time to record right now, I mean, we've all been there, so I could, I feel that pain. But uh, he'll be coming up here shortly uh, with another episode he'll be releasing here shortly. So definitely give it a listen. All right, guys. Well, um, yeah, I'm really happy to get, bring, you know, 
kind of get back in the interview game. I know it's been a while, right? Well, I mean, I've had, I had Chris on, I had William on and, and then, and Jay and stuff. So, uh, I wasn't completely abandoning the, the interviews, but I know, um, I certainly got out of rhythm there for a while. Um, if you are new to the show, um, I do two, two episodes a week. Wednesday is interview day. And, uh, hold on. Cords all caught up here. Uh, Wednesday is interview day and then Sunday is it's been dubbed shit show Sunday. It's usually, it's my rant episode when I stare out the window and yell at the clouds and yell about things that happen in hockey that used to happen, now happen and don't happen anymore. But, uh, you know, and I might talk about an historical piece or something. I don't know. We'll see. Something, something always comes up for me to ramble about. And if I find an interesting article somewhere, um, or an old passage from a book or something, we kind of just go over that and, you know, whatever. Sunday is a, pugilistic potpourri how's that we'll we'll say it's that it's just a mixed bag so uh you never know what's gonna happen on sunday or i might have a guest i might have a fellow fight fan like jay this past sunday we'll see but uh yeah two shows a week so uh please uh check those out but uh yeah subscribe to the channel uh that way i i think as soon as i release the episode you get it right away and um yeah, guys, um, other than that, if you could, whatever platform you're listening to this to, or lif- listening to this on, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the searches. I'd greatly appreciate that. And, um, yeah, outside of that, enjoy the episode. And, uh, really happy to be bringing this interview. I want to thank Steve again for coming on the, for coming on the show a second time and, uh, always being gracious with his time. And, uh, and like I said, um, you know, and I mean, he takes, took it serious and I mean, in the fact that, you know, he gave thoughtful answers and, uh, you know, yeah. And, uh, you know, I said when you can't ask for much more, um, from a guest than that. So, uh, no, I really want to thank Steve again for taking the time out of his day. I know he's a busy dude to, uh, sit down and talk with me again. And, um, yeah, guys, uh, I hope you enjoy this and, uh, we'll be back on Sunday. We'll chat then. In the meantime, enjoy this interview. Five toughest opponents with Steve Parsons. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are in the fourth line voice. We have a returning guest, Steve Parsons. Steve, how you doing tonight? Uh, good, Darren. Thanks. How are you? Very good, very good. Well, I'm really happy to have you back on. And uh, I've been doing this with a few guys now. And, uh, you know, we do the full-length interview. And anybody interested, please go back. And uh, actually, we did two, two parts with Steve. We, we told a lot of stories. But... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm having guys back with this little exercise and this little series I started up. It's called your five toughest opponents. And, uh, you were nice enough to come back on and do this. And, uh, looking at your fight card, man, you got, you, that's a lot of names that you got to cover here that, that could fit into this bracket. Well, you, you gave me some homework, right? I did. I, it's one thing to come on and do a little bit of chit chat, but now I had to think about it, right? And and, and yeah, I've never really actually thought about it. I mean, you, you think about who you scrap sometimes in, in hindsight, but you, for one, you don't really rank them, and for two, you know, you get about twenty names swimming through your head. It's it's hard to pick one. No, absolutely. Well, and, but before we get into that, it was this is uh, completely. I'm throwing this at you, and you're not. Uh, we hadn't talked about this before, but we had talked, we, we just started talking about this before we got on the air. And I found it very interesting because, um, a lot of times, of course, 
you know, I've always been around on the fight message boards and all that stuff. And people on that listen to this show know I've talked about fried chicken. I know someone else that was a member of fried chicken as well on, on the down low. I wasn't supposed to tell anybody, but uh, that's the first time we talked, but, um, yeah, but it was always, but you always see us fight fans. Cause I mean, we all, we watch all fight DVDs and YouTube and everything else and think we know everything. We don't really know shit, but now that I got, I love when I get players on the line, cause now we're going to find out the true what the true story behind a lot of this stuff is but there's always this thing when and i you we you and i were talking about the Lucic fight last night against saborn there and uh, i had mentioned to you about oh i've always wanted to see reeves and Lucic fight and they never do and whatever and uh we were talking about not the guys were afraid but just what just what goes into it what goes into all this and you had started talking about how you have been red lighted in your career and others that you were playing were red lighted in your career. And it was a very, and I think the listeners would be very fascinating because you always get the, Oh, he's, he's talking to me scared. You know, you always get that yep. stupid shit. And I mean, in some cases, maybe some guys were a little, eh, I don't want to know that guy, but for the most yep. part, there was, there was a reasons why. And, um, yeah. Can you just talk about that for a little bit here? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You don't get to the NHL as a tough guy by ducking people either, right? So, exactly. you know, the, the guys, the scouts and the coaches and the people that make those decisions, you know, phonies don't make it, right? Like there, there's no such thing as a phony NHL tough guy from my, from my, that I remember. Now there's some guys that aren't as tough as others or they talk more than they should, or maybe they're a little bit inflated, but they're all legit. And so, you know, I, I've played for, I've played for coaches that, I had one coach tell me one time on the day of a game at the pregame skate, he says, you know, I really want you to be careful how often you fight. You know, if we're up to nothing on the road, I don't, I want you to leave your gloves on. I want you to stay out of it. And I, said, I don't know, man. I had like 37 majors last year. Uh, I, I, I'm not really much for turning down tilts. Like I, I kind of like to go. And he's like, no, 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 you guys do what's best for the team. And, 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 and then later, literally that night, I was playing against, uh, playing against uh, a team and, and the tough guy asked me to go. And, and I had to, it was two. I looked at the score clock. It was like eight minutes in, and it was two nothing us. And I was like, "Fuck!" Like I would never say no to this guy. But I literally, like five hours ago, got an ask to him from my coach about saying yes too much. So I, I, I turned it down. And I remember just thinking after the game, I, I ended up saying to him after, I said, "I can't do that anymore. Like I don't feel right about that. I feel like I ripped that guy off because it's just not how I can do things." And he's like, "Oh, you got to do what's in the best interest of the team." So. You know, sometimes you get overthinking, you get in your own head, right? And the coach starts playing games with you, he starts using you like that, and he, and he, he kind of starts picking your spots a little bit. It's a different way than sending you out to fight, where he kind of takes your teeth away, and that's no fucking good either. And, and uh, you know, that happens. That happens to guys. I'm not saying it happened in, It happens with the Battle of the Titans, but, but, it, but it could, and, it, and it's a real thing. Yes. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, there, there you go, folks, right from, and I don't know, I think sometimes I, I don't, you know, uh, I, I, maybe, I guess for a lot of cases, it's the fan thing. Like their guy is the one, their guy isn't the one that said, no, it's the other guy. You know, it's like, it's always that too, right? With the fans. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll put it this way though. Put it, I, the other, other side of that coin is, and then the critics will say, and I'll say it too. If the coach thought you could win, he wouldn't give you the red light. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you thought I was going to go there and pin that guy's clock, he'd just say, do whatever you want. You know, but if he's got doubt that I might not win it, you know, whether I've lost a few or this guy's super tough, you know, I mean, uh, coaches aren't above that either. Yeah. Well, you're saying the the real, uh, real frustrating thing there and uh, was the, was the healthy scratch. Go start shit and warm up and then he'd scratch it. 
<laughs> well, Perry Ryan wrote about it in his book when he, he wrote about my warm-ups. They were epic because I would spend half most of the warm-up riding the red line and lipping off their tough guy. And then <clears throat> hoping to, what I would try to do would, would to, to, to create enough, you know, uh, steam and, and, and conflict around the game that the coach would feel compelled to put me in the lineup. And quite often, um, he would just scratch me. And he would often do it at home when he had to be the last team to put his lineup in. So teams would come in and I'd stir shit and warm up and then they'd submit their lineup with their tough guy. And then he'd scratch me and put in a skill guy. And he, and he, he did that a lot, right? The, this particular coach. So it was, it was a big part of my game. And, and I always joke that the warm up was a big part of my game, but you know, obviously, you know, at, at that time in my, you know, in anyone's career, anytime that's playing pro hockey, you want to be more than a, a distraction, right? You want to be part of a team. You want to be part of the game. You want to be part of the, and you want to do your thing, right? So it's not something that you you enjoy, that's for sure. And and getting you know getting those getting played with like that sucks. But at the same time, you know if that's what the coach is gonna do, what are you supposed to do? Fuck, quit the team? Like you know, yeah. quit? Yeah, you're like or you know if you don't like it, leave. Basically, you know those are your options. So uh, you learn to you learn to you learn to you learn to disobey the coach sometimes. And believe me, I have done that more than once. You know, get the red light and say, fuck it, and fight anyway. <laughs> or or one time I was playing for a guy and, and the penalty was expiring and I was in the penalty box and, and then we, we were going to get a power play when I got on. It was like, something, however it worked, I was sure, I was in the penalty box and I was going to get out and we would have been on a power play and he was trying to get my attention and I just didn't look across the ice and I jumped on the ice and I joined the power play and just started playing the power play for like 40 seconds or so. And guys on the power play were laughing and like the whistle went. And their guys were laughing because they all knew how much shit I was in because the coach wanted me to get off the ice because the power play guy had to go on. But I, I stole a shift. That was kind of a joke. So, um, you know, I wasn't exactly an angel either. Well, what's the old saying? It's easier to, you know, beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. So it's... Uh, <laughs> I, did, I did shit like that all the time. <laughs> did uh, I, Completely random off topic about that, but just kind of talking about teammates. Uh, you know, and I, you know, we don't have to go into names and sewer anybody, but I mean, um, in terms of your role, because I, I actually, it was funny, I, I interviewed another guest this morning. Look at this, I'm just doing two interviews, two interviews a day for you people, yeah. look at this. But, uh, yeah, but we, uh, but we, uh, we had talked about, um, uh, he was a uh, European guy, and he talked about the, some of the things that the European guys faced when they came over to North America, um, especially way back in the day. Um, like guys in their own team hated him. Like, you know, oh, you're coming over to take the Canadian jobs, right? And like, so there was some real harsh shit some of these guys went through because they couldn't speak the language and blah, 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 right? Um, now to go, obviously, you know, uh, did you ever have any teammates that just kind of looked at you like you're just the fucking idiot? Like, why are you here? You're the dummy. Like, did you ever have that fucking vibe from anybody that on your team? Yeah, probably, you know, yeah, there's, there's a level to that, right? Like, you know, especially when you're, when you're, when you're making steps and, and I'm probably the right or wrong, perfect or absolutely wrong guy to ask because I took the longest road yeah, to, to get to, you know, to where I peaked. Right. So, you know, I, I joined teams mid season. I got called up from lower leagues, you know? Um, so if you're a, if you're a frontline player on a good team, and I come walking in a room from a lower league as a tough guy, you're just like, 
like, what do you give a fuck? You know what I mean? Like, maybe yeah. I'm, in, I'm in some entertainment value for you, but I'm not going to help you score any more goals. I'm probably not going to help you win any more games. And, and probably, you know, and so, you know, there, and I didn't know if that was because it was because I was a tough guy or if it was because I was a new guy or because I wasn't, you know, a good guy and, and all that shit goes into it. But, but, but by the time you, by the time you start playing for money, that all goes out the door. Right. By the time, by the time I was making 275 a week in, in Reno, I give a, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. I'm there to help the team win. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, long, long, long answer longer, you know, not really, not, not, not when you started playing for real guys are, guys are respectful and professional women and guys pull that on. I mean, you get some bad environments and some bad guys on teams, but they're, they're, you know, Jim Duhart shit on me one time. And I was like, yeah, Dilly, like, fuck, who listens to you anyways? You know, so, you know, stuff like that. Right. So, um, yeah, it's not a big deal. I don't think. Yeah, no, I was just curious because it was like the, you know, like the, uh, what's, uh, what movie, oh, the movie Goon there, when like the star little French guy there is giving it to Doug Glatt, like, why are you here? You're just an idiot, you know, or whatever. And, and like, he couldn't wrap wow. his, yeah. he couldn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had the House of Pain in Wilkesbury, right? We had yeah. John Christian in camp, remember? And so, yeah. And he, he called himself the House of Pain and, and he, and he deliberately walked around and tried to intimidate people off the ice. And so, you know, um, I think I told the story on the last show where I think I fought him three times on a Sunday morning. So, you know, like that stuff happens, right? But there's, sometimes there's guys that are bringing that upon themselves too, right? So oh, yeah. that's just that's just guys being guys, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like anybody listening. I mean, we all of us have had jobs where there's guys you don't like. I mean, it's just yeah. you know, it's just you, you. There's always that guy. Doesn't matter what you where you are in life or what you're doing in life on your street where you live. I'm sure one of the guys on the street is that guy. You know, it doesn't matter. And, you, and, and if he, but yeah, if he's your neighbor or your buddy, you, you don't have to spend time with him. If he's your work colleague and your teammate, you got to find a way to get along with the guy. So you exactly. just respect him for what yeah. he does and you get on with it, right? So it's two different worlds. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, speaking of getting on with it, here we go. Uh, now that I've sidetracked mm-hmm. us enough here, well, let's get, well, let's get into this uh, five toughest opponents mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess, I guess we'll that? go at number five here. Well, this is a tough one, Darren, because like, you know, I, I to write them down. Like I, I, like I said, I did a little bit of homework. So I wrote them down, so I had to, I had to set some criteria, and I had to set the criteria with with guys that beat me, right? Right away, I got to think about guys that, that that for sure have wins over me, and 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 there's a lot more than five. So then I had to think about the guys that you know the, that I probably fought more than once or twice, and I went back and had some good battles with, right? And, guys that I had a level of respect for. And not that I disrespected the other guys, but guys that not only beat me, but I was like, fuck man, like you got something, right? Another, you know, and there, there's guys that you fight and you lose to or you beat, and whatever, right? There's, there's not much more to it than that. But the guys that I put down here today, you know, these five guys, they're, 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 they're well, they're NHL. They're all NHL get tough guys at some point in their career. And, and, and they're all extremely, extremely tough. And then the guys that I left off the list, <laughs> that's a murderer's row too. But we'll start at number five. And this guy, this guy is um, is um, is an interesting guy because I think he played 500 AHL games and 500 NHL games, and, um, and 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 I think I fought him like five times. And and this fucker was strong and fearless, and he turned into from like a 20 year old scrapper into a 38 30 year old NHL Stanley Cup champ. And that's Sean Thornton. 
There you go. I fought him in uh, St. John Leafs, St. John's Leafs, and I fought him when he was with uh, the Norfolk Admirals. And I think I fought him two ice with the Leafs and three or four times with the Admirals. And, and that guy, <clears throat> um, fearless and strong and always willing. I remember one time I got the jump on him and I beat him pretty good in the game. And the next game he came out and he was fucking mad. It wasn't like he was like staying away from me because I beat him up. No, he wanted me back, and he got a he got a grab on me, and he, he kind of gave it to me one night in Wilkesbury, and uh, and I went back at him. But anyways, number five is Sean Thornton. Yeah, like you said, he uh, yeah, man, it, that's what an unreal story. I mean, he yeah, that he uh, yeah, like to, that many games in the American League to that many games in the NHL, and uh, to, like you said, to do it that long and uh, that consistent, yeah. Thornton was the man. I, I was a big Sean Thornton fan. Actually, I just got his. Uh, he just came out with a book. He just wrote a bio. Just came out with a biography. He just came out at Christmas. So, um, what is it, a long way to the top or something. It's called. I, got it, I just got well, it. He know exactly. I mean, it was a perfect title it's sitting over here on my shelf somewhere. I'm looking forward to reading that. But yeah, I'm a huge Sean he Thornton. Fan. Know. He know. Number four is a guy that you know. I think at one time might have been the toughest guy in the NHL. If not, he was in the conversation. Um, and then he disappeared. And he, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And he's a guy that I fought way back in junior, in the Quebec Major Junior League. And I was 19, and he was 17. And uh, he went on to dominate the, dominate the pros, from what I could remember, and nobody wanted to fight him. And that's uh, six foot eight, scariest man on skates, Peter Worrell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, like, Nobody okay, well, how, how tall are you, legit? Six, three and a half, six, three and three quarters. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, there isn't often that you're looking up in your fights. Not that high up. Not, not that, that, exactly. Not five inches. When you, when you fight a guy like that, um, yeah, like, even that guy can kind of stretch you out a little bit. Like, how, how do you approach that? Like, what, what do you do? Like... <laughs> Well, you got you got to you, you got to fucking use your scruples, right? And you got to like, I mean, Ty Domi, obviously five foot nine, fighting guys six foot six, but you got to get inside of their reach, right? You got to get inside of their reach, and I did that to Pete, right? I got in on him. I mean, he was like I said, he was only seventeen or eighteen at the time. I don't know if he's one or two years younger than me, but I was I was in Laval, and I was our resident bully, and, and he was there, and they had I got an LP Charbonneau, who was their toughest guy, but LP wouldn't fight with me. He knew that I'd beat him. But Peter Worrell would. And so I'd have to fight Big Pete. And he's a guy on this list that I don't think Pete ever beat me. But he was a guy that, that I had to fight. And it was a long, hard fight. I, I got the best of him. But he's, he's a guy that if I would have fought him 10 years later or 7 years later, he would have probably beat the shit out of me. Right? And and he beat the shit out of a lot of guys. Yeah, he yeah. kind of fell off the face of the earth. But but there's not there's not a guy out there that wants to fight Peter Worrell. Well, and then, and then, well, and then to say that down in Florida, I mean, fuck, you had Borrell and Laws at the same time down there. Like, are you shitting me? Like, Paul Laws is a fucking killer too, you know, but, uh, Worrell. Yeah, that's funny with the Laval stuff. Actually, I just got that DVD with the year that you were in Laval. I, I got that. And, uh, I know the fights that you're talking about. Um, back then, were you, cause I mean, obviously we're talking before YouTube and well, before the internet and all that, but, uh, were you a video guy? Did you watch any video on guys? No, I didn't. I didn't start getting into videos. So my good buddy Jonathan Kaminsky, my good mm. friend, 
Yep. Uh, Jonathan Kaminsky, the Polish Hammer. Yep. He, uh, when I was in Hershey, I think I played, I don't know what, I can't remember what game it was, my first or second or third or fourth game, and I came out afterwards, and, and he, he, he greeted me in the parking lot on the way to my vehicle, and he handed me a VHS of a bunch of my fights. And and I fell in love with hockey fighting videos. And then he gave me everybody else's fight, and I became a nut after that. But before that, um, the only fight type I've ever seen was was mine. I mean, I watched Rock'em Sock'em, and yeah. I was a stick boy for junior teams and whatnot. But um, the year before, Kent Hawley, my coach in Madison, showed me some fights of mine one time on a VHS. I didn't get to keep the tape or nothing. He just showed me, and that's when I think I talked before about he told me, listen, stop moving forward. Stand there and punch him in the face. So it was a big coaching moment for me as a fighter. But um, I didn't get into videos until I was in my in the middle of my career. Once I got into my career, then I started watching. But before that, no. Was there was there anybody that you played with um, that that maybe that kind of helped? Like I mean, I know like oh yeah, there's always the, the fuck around after practice or whatever. You always kind of work on a thing or two. But was there any guy that you played with that was kind of like kind of showed you a few like you're like holy shit like this guy is like come sit under the learning tree? Was there anybody that kind of, uh, no. not really research? I, well, yeah. I guess you're kind of the lone guy all the time. A lot of two times. Two guys, two guys, two guys. One, I, I had two guys that really, you know, my first instinct when I answer that question would be, and I played a lot of other tough guys, right? But the two guys that I would say, three guys will now, I'll say it in different ways. But number one was Bruce Ramsey. Yeah. When I got traded from Madison to Fort Wayne. I'd fought Rammer early in the air and he's a legend, right? And, yep. And, and, he, and he might be the toughest man on earth, never mind on a, on two skates. But, you know, you know, he 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 did it in a way, like, when I got traded there, it definitely lightened his load, right? Like, he was 30-something years old at the time, and, and all of a sudden I come in near the trade deadline, he was like, fucking right, thank you. And, you know, he didn't want to fight with me, and I just didn't, and I, that's when I started doing a lot of the heavy lifting. But he, he worked with me a little bit on some stuff, and another guy, and I talked about him, I think, on your show before, was Jason Hamilton when I was in Wheeling. That motherfucker is probably the most underrated guy that I ever played with or, or, or watched fight in terms of top. Like, he's a guy that I thought was, I was like, I never want to fight this guy. This guy's an animal. Um, I would have, and I probably would have done okay because I think I had about 15, 20 pounds on him and we fought the same style. But he was just a really lethal guy. So those two guys, and then the third guy would be Brant Myers. Obviously, not fighting-wise, but just as a friend, right? Him and I became real close, and he was a real experienced, tough guy. We're still best friends now. And, and so those three guys probably had the biggest influence on how I fought and how I did my job. Well, there we go. All right. Well, we're back to well, – it was funny while you were talking about Warrell, the name you threw out that L.P. Charbonneau. How annoying was that guy? Yeah. Well – he was he played he played on their top lines and he wouldn't and, and he acted like the toughest guy on the ice and he wouldn't fight me but he would fight other guys he'd fight Doig or he'd fight Bouillon or you know what I mean and and, and I don't blame him right I, I, that's what yep. he was supposed to do. Yeah. So I, my my experience of Charbonneau was seeing him was uh, of course later on when he went to the you know the LNAH and he's playing with the Chiefs and just. Just donkey show shit, right? Well, that league's just nuts to begin with. And then you add him to the mix. But, of course, he can look over his shoulder and, you know, Pat Cote and Bosse and all those guys are standing there, right? So he can fucking put, oh, on, yeah. the, he can put on the clown show, right? But, oh, yeah. Well, that's what he had Warrell. That's what he had. He had. That's why he'd start the shit with me and then Warrell would come out. 
You want to fight Big Pete instead? All right, fuck it. And I, then I would just call him a bigger pussy for that, obviously. Hey, did you did you ever play with anyone that was like sort of like the the Charbonneau kind of? Well, maybe well, Charbonneau would fight a little bit, but but somebody that like would never fight but would always instigate shit, and then you'd have to come out and clean it up. Did you ever have anything? And then like, do you ever have to pull a guy aside and be like, "Knock that shit off, man!" Like, come on. Did you ever have to do that? You know, it's funny. It's a good question because I played with guys and halfway through your question, I was going to say, well, I played with Darcy Barreau and Brendan Walsh, but those guys never turned down a fight either. I mean, Barreau turned down a few, but he still was pretty active. Yeah. Um, I remember playing with a guy named Matt Hur though in Providence. And I remember he fucking grabbed Steve McLaren and scrum last night. And one time he was like rubbing his face against the glass and shit. And I said, Hey, like you're never going to fight that guy. Keep your hands off him. And he looked me dead in the eye in the penalty box. He's like, you do your job and I'll do mine. I said, fuck, sounds good. Fuck, you're not wrong. So he was like, he was never going to fight Matt, Steve McLaren. But he, there he is in a scrum washing his face when I'm standing right beside him, right? And so, you know, it was it was a good learning lesson for me because Matt Kerr was our best player and, and our number one center. But he, he played with Edge and he played with Jam. But he was never going to fight Steve McLaren. I was going to fight Steve McLaren. And I, I prefer not to fight Steve McLaren. And I certainly don't want to mad her to make steve mclaren mad and now i gotta fight a mad steve mclaren that's no good either like hey fuck off don't make him mad before i fight him jesus exactly you know and, and like it's tough enough fighting that guy i don't need you to piss him off and uh he, he looked me dead in the eye in the penalty box he said you do your job and i'll do mine and that was i was like you know like if someone's got a good answer to something i'll usually accept it and i was like fuck you're not wrong there you go. Well, uh, where are we? Uh, number three. Number three. Number. This guy is a guy that I, I didn't beat. This guy is 1-0 over me, and I fought him when he was a rookie, and he um, I, I he, he punched Eric Malosh right in the face in front of the net, and I was on the ice, and I came in, and I grabbed him. I said, let's go, and he dropped his gloves, and I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, and I fucking I went to yank him down to bend him over to hit him with a big uppercut. And I'm not joking you, Darren. This guy just fucking straightened his back. And my feet went like Bambi, sort of, because I kind of weighted my, my strength into my upper body. And so my legs kind of, I wasn't planted real good. And, and he didn't, he just fucking held me. Kind of midair, pulled me back, hit me with a punch in the face and an uppercut. And fucking fight was over. <laughs> I had a big black eye. I had a big black eye. And I was like, I just got fucking beat up in two punches like and that was a guy named matt karkner yeah yeah and he was with the cleveland he was with the cleveland barons at the time or whatever they were called they were san jose's farm team when we were playing in cleveland and i thought i was going to teach this kid a lesson and he just fucking stood back and popped me with two and the fight was over and i just i'll never forget that it was real humbling like my god my teammates came to the bar like you okay i'm like that didn't go very good did it they're like nope not at all i was like, oh shit so, anyways, that guy was tough as nails, and of course, he followed it up with a 12-year NHL career, or whatever, 10 years, whatever he played. Yeah, he was. A, there was another guy. He played in the American League a long time too, and then, yeah, finally got up to the NHL. And uh, yeah, he's a fucking bad dude, man. I mean, he hung a few on Colt Nor that that didn't happen very often. And yeah, he was. Yeah, Karks, he's a tough dude, man. And for you folks Real listening, tough. if you want to hear more about Matt Karkner's story, Joe Lazito. Old Broadway Joe there with his Islander podcast. Yep. He had Matt Karkner on his show, and uh, they, I yeah. believe it's a two-part interview, and it's and it's and really good. They go really in depth into his career, and uh, he had a hell of a ride. 
and uh, you know, played Ontario guy played in Peterborough was the captain out there. And, uh, yeah, he uh, tough dude, and a really great interview for you guys that want to check out more on Matt Carpenter. But that he, that's a bad dude right there, man. Did he tell people about the time that he beat up Steve Parsons in Cleveland? Uh, well, I don't, uh, he might have skipped that part. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, did you go down though, or did you just take it and stood there? I was already down. Like, oh. I went to bend him over. And I, I went to double him over from by the back of his neck. Like I don't. I, I didn't always have the same move, but this particular time, I figured, fuck, I'm going to grab him. I'm going to bend him at the waist, hit him with an uppercut, and then start going. And I went to bend him at the waist, and my I kind of eye bent instead of him, and then he just fucking drove me with two and ended the fight. Well, well, I thought that was a really I, that, that didn't happen to me very often. It wasn't very often a guy just fucking outstrengthed me and then dropped me with two punches. I, that wasn't a that was a very rare thing. Well, I've seen a lot of your fights. It is a rare thing, I, you know, definitely. Um, it's interesting. I keep going off track here, and because you keep mentioning things, and I want to ask you, but like you were talking, about, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to grab him, and I mean, obviously, you had a game plan. Um, in games, like obviously, the mental prep, I. That's the one thing with the with the tough guy role, and it's been a theme throughout all my interviews with guys. It's one thing, okay, you fight, you're into it, you're throwing punches and all that. I mean, not you know getting punched, whatever. No one likes to do that either, but you know you've accepted that part. But it always seems like the biggest battle was the mental battle, and leading up to the game, the, the pregame nap or the night before, and you know Carpenter's coming to town or McLaren's coming to town. How did you? Did it ever be? Uh, did it ever get easier for you as you got older or is it, was it, what, how did you prepare in your mind? Cause I know, did you fight the guy a million times before in your head before the game? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess, I guess the best way to answer that is, is, is whatever kind of role I was on would dictate kind of my mood. So if I was on a bit of a heater and I was winning a bunch in a row and I was, fighting heavy and winning and doing well and where team was winning, I, I fucking sleep like a baby. Now we're, we lost five in a row and I got fucking killed by Matt Karkner and we got to go and play Philly on Friday in Philly and it's raining. It's like, fuck me. Like this is going to be on the zero fun things to do list. And, you know, so I guess it was really circumstantial and, you know, it's, I, I read, I read a lot of, you know, you read media and people talk about fights here and this guy beat that guy up and that guy's a pussy. And it's like, well, buddy, like, I don't know what you do for a living, but if you, like, like the, the level of pussy and tough guy is, like, the floor of that is pretty high, you know? And so, you know, it's all relative. And, but, but at the end of the day, we're just regular guys trying to, you know, trying to have an opportunity and get some beat, right? So there was games, game days where I didn't sleep well. Um, and there were game days that I had anxiety. But, you know, you combat that with things, right? You learn, you, there's things you learn to do. Some guys medicate with drugs and alcohol. Other guys, you know, personally for me, I was, a, I was a trash talker, right? So I would talk enough shit that I would develop a grudge with a guy and now I want to fight him too, Yeah. right? So it would set, I'd set myself up, right? I'd, I'd lean over the boards and start calling guys every name in the book to get them to pay attention to me to create the energy and amp myself up. Then I go up there and the, the term I use is manufacture hate. Yep. Right. I, I was able to do that. I was able to manufacture some hatred and some, and some animosity, but not everyone can do that. Right. And, and when you do it, like guys like Brooke Bank did it and, and lots of guys out there, like shit, Gino Ojek, I mean, the list goes on, you know, they did it for a long, long time and they kind of did it that same way. 
I mean, you have to have that skill. Otherwise, it just doesn't go, I don't think. Yeah. There's probably some exceptions to the rule, but by and large, you got to be able to manufacture a little bit of hate. Yeah, because it's always, um, because that's always, that's always what fascinated me about the role. And it was, uh, and that's why I like having you guys on and talking about it. And it, not just, oh, you fought this guy and what did he punch like? And, you know, that's all fan stuff and it's all fun to talk about. But the mental aspect is always what kind of fascinates me. And, um, there's a clip there. It's on my YouTube channel. If anybody's interested, it's about Tony Twist or it's Tony Twist talking about the role of an enforcer. It's a fascinating look. And I mean, and, and Twister, he gets a little. Well, I won't go into all of it, but he's pretty hardcore with how he looks at things. But one of the examples he talks about in in mentally, and for the people, this is much more relatable to people listening because we all had it at some point where it was like the whole three o'clock high thing, right? Like you're, I'm going to have to fight the bully. You know, something happened in the cafeteria at at lunch or at in the morning, and he said at three o'clock, you know, behind the behind the shed, we're fighting. So all day you had that anxiety up until three o'clock that you had to go fight the tough guy behind the shed. I think we've all growing up as kids had that moment and that anxiety, that feeling, that anxiety all day leading up to like, oh shit, at the end of the day and everyone's talking, oh, they're going to be a fight, 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 you know, and then holy shit, we got to go behind the shed and half the school's there and we're in a circle and here we go, right? I think every guy had that at some point in his life. So I think that's where every guy over every guy over forty, every guy over forty. Well, that's the new true. generation, the younger generation. That's, that's you know what I mean. You're aging yourself, right? Yeah. I did that. I was yeah. in that grade four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way through. But uh, that's yeah. not the way they do it now. That's what they do in the last twenty, thirty years. Well, that right? yeah. like, well, that, that's who sort of that's sort of the demographic that's listening to my show. So I think that's uh, I, well, this show would yeah, give this point. this show would give Generation Z night this is nightmare fuel to Gen Zers. This show, oh, you're hilarious. But but really, I think for the fan that was never in a hockey fight, I think that's the best. That to me, that's sort of the best way to sort of. Yeah, you remember the anxiety you felt doing that. Well, here's your here's what Steve. Yeah, well, this is Steve's anxiety going into Philly when McLaren and friggin' McIsaac and Belanger and Cote and all them were sitting there waiting. Uh, yeah, I could. That's the anxiety. It's the bully at three o'clock. You you got Buddy Ravel waiting for you in Philly. You know, like yeah, you know the drill. You know the drill. That's exactly it. You know what's coming. You better be ready. Yeah, and it's interesting, like how you said the coping mechanisms that some guys have, right? It's booze or what, you know, whatever. And uh, but yeah, I mean, fuck, can you blame these guys? Like that's the other thing. And you know, and it's just you know, uh, I I don't know. That's, that was that would be the biggest thing for me. I don't know how you guys did it. Like I, that would be the anxiety would just be in the anxiousness. Like, ah, it's a privilege, man. Like, well, you know, I can bitch and moan all I want, but it's a privilege. I was, I was, I, I was a hockey nut through and through. And the fact that I got an opportunity to do it, I'm the, the, every day that goes by, I'm more proud of what I accomplished. Right. So yeah. I'm glad I did that. I'm, I'm no worse for wear. I mean, I probably could have been a little further ahead in university or business or whatever, but whatever i mean those lessons and those skills and those those hard living realities man like i don't know i'm proud of it right and and i'm glad i did it and i'm glad that i i stuck with it and and despite a couple setbacks but anyways we're not here to talk about that we got to get on to number two here okay my buddy uh my buddy uh this guy here is a good buddy of mine he's a complete legend in the game he's strong i don't know anyone more willing than him ever and big, and he fought. And you talked about uh, Brookbank's uh, fight card. I'm betting this guy here probably got that, and then some. And that's Jody Shelley. 
Yeah. Um, Holy smokes, you know, like he was actually raised out in Vancouver Island up near me on the north end of the island. Him and Rob Skrulak went to school together and Skrulak and I were good buddies. And Jody and I became buddies. And, and anyways, he went, then he went to Nova Scotia and then he was with the Mooseheads. Then he was in college and then he was in the pros and blah, 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 blah. And I fought him a bunch when he was with Syracuse and I was in Wilkes-Barre and then with, um, and then with Hershey. And I think maybe even a little bit the next year before he went full-time to Columbus. But I don't know a guy that sees an opportunity better than he did when he got his chance with uh, Columbus last Syracuse as a expansion franchise. And he, he just chainsawed that league. He fought everybody every chance he could have led the whole league in majors the whole damn year. Even started the next year there, but he got to the show. And I think, if I recall correctly, he was he was an alternate captain at some point in the show. He played for fucking big teams, good teams. He was counted on. He fought everyone. Long arm, super tough. I think I fought him maybe four or five times. And we were buddies. We were training partners in the summer. And and camp preseason opens and and we're playing him. And, and he had no problem punching me in the face as hard as he could, as often as he could. And I had a lot of respect for that guy, man. And, and I'm proud of him. And he's tough as fuck. And that's Jody Shelley. Yeah, I'm a huge Jody Shelley fan. He's awesome. Um, yeah, like you said, did it for a long time. And uh, hey, is that, um, I mean, is it hard fighting friends? Like, did you have an issue with it? or uh... Not really. Like, it was weird. We were working out. And we went to Kelowna for the weekend with our girlfriends. And uh, it's a true story. And we we, and we we took separate vehicles. And we came back into the vehicles. We spent, we were at the same hotel. We went to the beach together every day. We went to the go-karts. We did the whole thing. We were out together. Our girlfriends were friends. And then we got back to the gym on the Tuesday. And I remember, like, we were doing our workouts. And I went over and I say something to him. And he kind of blew me off. He kind of, like, kind of big me a little bit. And I was like, it was really odd. I said, hey, man, like, what the fuck's the problem? He said, what's the problem? We looked at the schedule. We played each other on September fucking 22nd. And we're definitely fighting. Would you want to be best friends now? I'm like, oh, that's how it is. Well, we can go get drunk and go on vacation. But now that we know we're playing each other in a month, we can't be buddies. And, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was being a cock to me, but he was, he was raving it. He's like, hey, this is a real thing we got to think about. We're going to spend the next four weeks working out together and then fight each other three weeks after that. And so that, you know, I learned that, I would say, early in my career. I was 25. But I fought guys in junior that were my buddies and stuff. Um, I had no problem with it. I had no problem with it at all. I mean, I think I, Billy Tibbetts was my buddy, and I, and I, and I fought him, right? Like, uh, and Mario Lemieux, right? Like, the even after Mario. I got no problem fighting buddies. And I, and I don't know many guys that do. I, I've never heard of a guy saying, he's my friend. Um, I, I think once the, once the jersey goes on and, and you're playing for keeps, I, 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 don't, I never had a problem. I don't, I don't know anyone else that did. Well, it was interesting because that was the topic that I, I was kind of ranting about in my last episode. And it, it had come up um, when Reeves had come back to Vegas. And he was playing Vegas for the first time as a member of the Rangers. And uh, somebody had mentioned uh, just on Twitter, like, hey, Reeves, you know, save, save the how are the kids talk for the after the game and not during the pregame and all this shit. And, and then the big topic became just kind of talking about how it just seems like everyone's friends now and hey bro and you know there's freaking fist bumping almost at, at the red line now during warm-ups it's like does anybody actually get mad at anybody anymore were were you a big 
yeah, like you said, once that jersey, I'll be your friend before and after, but I'm not being your friend during. Like, was that, you know, I, I don't know, was that much more prevalent back then than it is now? That probably was, now that I'm saying it, but. Well, I don't know. Like, it was, I had buddies, right? I had buddies on their team that were fighters, and, and, and we fought. Sean Legault, him and I were, were, were good buddies, and we fought often. And, and you don't, I don't know. But I mean, and, like like in warm-ups and stuff, like in pregame and stuff, when you guys are getting ready, like you and Lego, were you sitting there stretching at the red line asking how the kids were? Or was it like... No. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, motherfucker. Lego, you you're... healthy? You healthy, Lego? You, you healthy tonight? You good to go tonight? Yeah, of course. I'm good to go. Fucking right, you're good to go. Yeah. You get out there, we're right. going. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're just you're just checking for green lights. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, that's two is Jody Shelley. That's a hell of a number two. So I'm anxious to hear what number... Well, I kind of have a feeling I know what number one is. But number one of Steve Parsons' five <laughs> toughest opponents... I think he's the most underrated tough guy that's fucking ever fought, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, there's levels of guys like Proby and Domi, and those guys are another planet. But for the world that I lived in, Steve McLaren was the yeah. undisputed champ. Like, 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 and I fought him, I think, I don't know, three or four times, and I picked every one of them. <laughs> Simply <laughs> because I was so damn intimidated of the guy that I was like, I cannot show this to my teammates and everyone that I'm scared shitless. But um, I, I, I fought that guy uh, maybe two or three times, and... um he hit so fucking hard. He had a granite chin and a granite hand, and and his reputation was ridiculous. He, he wasn't very big, but he kept everybody in check. It didn't matter who it was. And so he is, the list started, I wrote five down to one, and I wrote him at number one, and then I started brainstorming the other ones. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, the list that guys that didn't make it, um, you know, I know that McLaren's torn through them all. And there's Goddard, McGratton, Thompson, D, Flynn, Brookbank, Lassard, Barnaby, Cody, all those guys. You know, I know McLaren. He, 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 you had to prove yourself against Steve McLaren in the American League if you wanted to play in that league and be a scrapper and take him seriously. So he was the, to me, hands down, toughest guy I ever fought. There you go, folks. You heard it here. And, uh Yeah. Wow, Stone Cold Steve McLaren. That's a bad dude. Yeah. That's a guy. I need to get him on the show. I'd love to get him on the show. He's a hard guy to track down. He's not on social media. I got I got my uh I got my uh my scouts out there trying to track him down. There's been talk. Hopefully I can get him. But um Yeah, like well, like you said, when you're out there with McLaren, was he like a big talker or anything? Or like was no. it just, Yeah, like he was just kind of stone face like he strikes me as kind of the stone face guy. Tell you what, we were in, we went into Philly one night. I was with Hershey, and Polino comes in before the game. He says, "All right, we only got nine forwards and five D, and so I want no bullshit after the whistle. Stay out of the scrums. Let's get in here. Let's get our two points and let's get out." And, I, and, and he looks at me and he says, "You got a problem with that?" I said, "No. That means I get to play a regular shift." And then he fucking starts me starting lineup. And I go out there, and I'm not joking with you, and I might be exaggerating, but I'm not kidding. When it was, it was Steve McLaren, Francis Lassard, Dean uh, Rob Melanson, or Dean Melanson, whatever Dean I'm played there, Melanson, Lassard, McLaren, Bullerese, and like Kirby Law or something like that. Like five, Kirby Law wasn't necessarily the toughest guy in the world, but for what he did, he was pretty tough. Yep. And, and and they're all, they're all out there, <laughs> and Felino starts me. 
And here comes fucking McLaren for the anthem. And they're all talking to each other. And I said, hey, Mac. And he come over and says, what's up? I said, let's go. Why me? I said, because you're the toughest. And if I fight any of them and beat them, I'm going to have to fight you anyway. So let's just, let's just, you, you and I'll, this is go right off here, right off the bat. All right, sounds good. Like, that was it. He didn't say a word. He wasn't a trash talker, man. He just looked at you. Like, I remember one time I was playing against him, and I, was, I think I was with Wilkes-Barre, and that was my first year. And there was a scrub in front of the bench. And uh, I don't know why I did it, but I fucking a shot from the bench. And he gave me a shot back. And I, and, and, and I was falling back, and I whipped my glove at him from the bench. <laughs> and everyone was kind of parted. And I got up, and we grabbed onto each other. I was standing on the bench, and he was on the ice. I think there's a video of it. And uh, we, I think I got like a couple minutes for rough in or something like that. And I was trying to like stand up to the guy, right? But it was one of those moments where I was like, he didn't talk a whole bunch, but he was about to break my face. So, um, yeah, no, he was a real intimidating guy. Real intimidating. Yeah, man. Thank yeah. yeah. His story when he went to St. Louis and he busted his jaw one of his first games and then played eight more and didn't tell anybody and fought people after that and stuff. Like, do you know about that? No, I didn't know about that. Oh, oh God. He played He played some games in St. Louis late in his career. Yeah. And the story goes he got his jaw broken in game one or two. Played like another month, like seven or eight more games, had some fights, didn't tell anybody. And they, they ended up turning out a broken jaw for like three weeks before they found out. And he had fights in between. Oh. Like, I don't know. Guys don't fight with broken jaws, man. Come on. Well, no. Fuck you! Fuck broken jaw. You're not doing much with a broken jaw, let alone. Yeah, well, I know he fought Fritz and fuck, he fought a bunch of guys. Like Jesus, yeah. that Parker fight, that Parker fight where his fucking nose got rearranged, but he still won the fight. Yeah, well, you yeah, yeah. Well, he missed. Yeah, he missed a bunch of time for that. They had to like rebuild that thing. Like it was. I remember but he won the fight. Yeah, well, I remember asking Parker about that. It was he was just like, well, he even said McLaren's just ridiculous. He goes, "That's the hardest I've ever hit anybody." And he's like, he didn't even move. Like he just, and he goes, his face. No, his ex- nose was shattered. Well, he goes, yeah, his face exploded and his nose was gone. Cause I think they had to rebuild it or something. It was, he was out for a while, but it was like, and he yeah, goes, and he's just coming like the surgery. fucking, ter- like the fucking Terminator. And it's just like, and Parker was just like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? You know, he's just like, I, this sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like I gotta get well, out. He had a fight in junior. He had a fight in junior in the Memorial Cup with Chris Murray, which I still think is one of the most epic fights, you know, like if you're ever looking for an old, Yep. Fucking toe to toe slugfest. It was him and Murray in 93 or 4 or 5, somewhere in there. Yep. And I remember watching that. And I knew Chris Murray from, I knew Chris Murray from the island and from Kamloops and stuff. And, 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 and I don't know who won that fight. Like, I don't want to say Mac won it. I don't want to say Murdoch won it. But Jesus Christ, I don't know if they, they both lost that one. But there was no hurt in that guy. He was number four for North Bay, if I recall. Yes, he was. Yeah, no, that fight's on my YouTube channel. That's an amazing fight. Actually, well, it's funny you mentioned Chris. I love Chris Murray. That guy was awesome. But uh, he had a hell of a Memorial Cup that year, like in terms of fights. He had the massive one with McLaren. Then he had a really good one with Jeff Mercer, too. And uh, he had, like, three real toe-to-toe, like, just wars in that Memorial Cup. And it was like, holy shit, like, you know, who is this guy? But, yeah, because, you know, he wasn't the biggest dude. Well, I mean, he was 6'2", he was pretty pretty thin, but he he could friggin' throw, man. And, he, like, even when he got to the NHL, that's a toe-to-toe. There's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot, but 
toe-to-toe guy, man. Like, he went toe-to-toe with, like, Cummins and Grimson and all those guys. Yeah, Chris Murray was awesome. Anybody. Everybody. Anyone that wanted to go toe-to-toe, he'd go with. And and Jeff Mercer and I, we were roommates in Laval the next year. And then he ended up, we live in Calgary here. We don't go far apart, actually. We're still really good friends. Our daughters are the same age. Uh, we we're, we're pretty good chums, and um, it's funny how the world goes around, right? So yeah, yeah, no, Murdoch was he was a, he was a, he was a killer, but yeah, for me, yeah, the, uh, you know, I never I never fought him, so he doesn't he doesn't make my top five or my cut list. But Steve McLaren is number one for me. Well, there you go. Well, that's a hell of a way to end it because, like you said, Stone Cold Steve McLaren number one. That's uh, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Steve, I know I've uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, and uh, I really yeah. want to thank you for uh, for taking the time tonight to sit down and uh, take another trip down memory lane and and humor us all, uh, give us all us fight fans a few more stories. Anyway, that's yeah, fun. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Darren. It's it, to me, uh, I love hearing other guys talk about it, and I think I've got some you know some decent decent uh, stories to share, and, and it's it's fun for me, and it's. I think of it like a, like, a, like a journal or a diary, if you will. So I really appreciate the opportunity to get on here, man, and I wish you the best. And if I can help you get somebody, let me know, and I'll do my best. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I might be uh, might be sending you a few texts here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get Parsons to track down some guys for me. I'd appreciate it. But uh, all right, yeah, I'll man. I'll do my best, man. I'll, let, I'll thank you very much. I'll let you go. Have a good night, man. You too, man. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 